The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Welcome to episode 95 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, co-hosty as ever, <laughs> is the lovely and talented and intelligent Brittany Page. I'm just glad that you're utilizing new words, because I don't remember what it used to be, but you used to say a certain thing every time. Yeah. But now you don't do that anymore. So good. <laughs> So I'm I'm getting better mm. at what I do. Is mm-hmm. that it? Yes. You know what you do every single time still? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I, I do that to everyone yeah. all the time. Yeah, I know. Always. Well, what what do you what are you gonna do? Exactly. So welcome to the show, everybody. Episode ninety five. We are rapidly approaching that century mark. We'll be at one hundred before you know it. Um and we're 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 happy. Could not be happier about it. Um, how are you, lovely co-hosty gal? I am great. I'm doing very good. Yeah. I had my first evaluation at graduate school. Gra- evaluation? Like like at a job? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, grad school's kind of like a job. They can fire you? Yes, exactly. If you're not fit to do the work or if you're not doing well, then they can tell you to get out. Pound sand, as it were. Mm-hmm. Kick rocks. <laughs> and it went really well. There was only one negative thing that was said. Wow, how dare they? So that was, well, that was positive, I think. Only one negative. That's pretty good. Super dummy? What'd they say? Um, One of my professors wait, wait. is... Was it super dummy or not? I need Don't leave me hanging. No, no. It, it, was, it was not, not super dummy. It was not. Okay. Okay. One of my professors is concerned that I will have problems being assertive. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you you're 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 fucking kidding, right? No, that is factual. You have a professor mm-hmm. with whom you've actually spent time face to face. Yes. And they their assessment of you mm-hmm. was that they have a concern yes. that you might not be assertive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time in my life this has happened. Is your is your cohort your your classmates? Are they? Uh, is it filled with ranks of superheroes who are <laughs> super super assertive people, crime fighters and vigilantes? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the I think the impression that he got was you, you'd know if they work if they have capes on, then you'd know. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, But I think the impression was based on the amount that I spoke in class um, during during lecture. And I mean, I'm just one of those people who if I don't have something great to add, then I don't want to speak. You know, I also don't like my time wasted. So I don't like wasting other people's time with nonsense or just saying things for the sake of hearing myself speak. So um you you must really struggle doing this show sitting across from me then because <laughs> you love all those things <laughs> i tease i kid yeah wink wink so i mean 
it's strange because it's the first time I've, I've heard that in my life. I'm serious. Usually it's everyone tells me I'm very assertive and too, too assertive sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean that I'm I don't think that, but I think you hear that. Yeah. So you are to many people and I've known you for years and years. You are an intimidating character to a lot of people. So to say that you are not assertive or they have a fear of of your level of assertiveness is l- ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. And it makes me wonder if that person really knows what the word assertive means. Because you fit the bill. If there was a definition in a bullet point list to describe assertiveness, you're it. I mean, you're assertive. You're not afraid. You're not intimidated. You're... you're uh, self-actualized you understand how smart you are and you employ it judiciously not like you said just to hear yourself talk but uh, in a manner that's uh, uh positive and constructive well and i think it's unfair to kind of gauge someone on how much they speak and whether or not it's appropriate i mean if everyone's talking a lot all the time maybe it's not productive conversation i mean people should know when they should speak and when they shouldn't and i think that that's a trait that should be lauded yeah so by this same logic the the (laughs) the person giving you your assessment he must think that the the homeless schizophrenic on the street corner who just babbles incessantly about the cia being inside of his head that's an assertive character because he's talking a lot well, and I mean, I don't know, because I mean, these are obviously people that are very intelligent and they've they have a lot of experience of with with human beings and, and the human experience. So they know. But I just think, you know, I've talked to a couple of people and their reaction has been the same as yours, which is laughing and, <laughs> um, you know, asking, did this person really speak with you? Like, right. You know, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's a good thing when people know how to act in different situations and kind of i don't know no i i completely agree i don't think it's it's always appropriate to be assertive yeah i think that's true and just assert yourself into a conversation for no reason you you well that's the the point of communication is being it's not being fake or being phony or being someone uh who you're not it is regulating the output according to what the circumstance is and that's that's effective communication. Yes. So, well, good. Uh, hopefully you become more assertive this semester <laughs> and uh, you don't get marked down because they will kick your ass right the fuck out of there, I hear. <laughs> I don't think they will for just not being very assertive. I think I'm, I think I'm doing all right. All right. Well, um, we can only hope. Um, listen, I want to, before we get the show rolling here, I want to let everybody know I did, I don't want to say a guest spot, but I was a guest on another show, uh, yesterday, which came out today, the nerd out loud podcast. I was a guest on, we talked a little bit about religion and my journey out and kind of my childhood a little bit and, uh, had a great time with Jeremy and Christy. There are a couple of folks from Seattle who run a great podcast out of there called uh, Nerd Out Loud, and I, your illustrious host, happen to be a guest. So you should check that out. You can go to, I think, nerdoutloudpod.com, or of course, subscribe in iTunes, 
and uh, check out the latest episode. It, it was a uh, I had a really good time. So speaking of really good times, uh, I have an idea. And I don't know if it's going to work or if it's funny or if it's just stupid, but it doesn't matter since this is my show. <laughs> I can have uh, stupid sprinkled in left and right. Um, and you often do. <laughs> well, when I speak, often it is stupid peppered in. So um, I want to gather new promos for the show. Little drops of people um, like this is so-and-so and they're going to say something about the show, you know, like radio stations often do like ah this is mariah carey and i love 97.1 the you know isn't that how she talks yeah and you actually named a a hit radio station here in los angeles so 97.1 i I think that you are listening to it in your free time is that really a station in la 97 yes it's listen there's probably a 93 point it's odd numbers right there's probably a 93.3 too but yeah, but 97.1 here in Los Angeles is a top hits, like top 40 that was dumb. station. It was dumb luck. It's called Amp Radio, and you know it, and I know you do, in your heart. I have no... That is complete fabrication. I have no idea what you're talking about. You love that Mariah Carey drop on that station. <laughs> you're making shit up now. I can tell. And you've got me all a, a, a flutter. <laughs> I know. All freaked out. What an asshole. So anyway... uh Ryan Bell was kind enough to be the first drop that I, uh, this is the idea. I tell you what, I'll just play it. This is the idea that I have, and I want to know what the audience thinks. This is Ryan Bell, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dolomore. Come to think of it, does anyone listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore? (laughs) How dare he? I'm very excited. This is what I want. I want every guest whether it be celebrity guest or whatever i've got a call out to alana pierce and she's gonna do one too but that's the vein i want it to be this is so and so and i never listen to i doubt it with dollamore that's what i want so and i'm gonna put a call out to the audience if you'd also like to do this call in on the voicemail line 657-464-7609 that number slower but not lower is six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine and then as always you can record yourself on your smartphone and email it to I doubt it at dollamore.com but you could do your own variety take you know use your own creativity but I want it to kind of be like that that you never listen to the show I I just think it's funny so, we're using that as a springboard. I do want to talk about Ryan Bell, the project that is surrounding his um, quote-unquote year without God. The, there is an Indiegogo um, website that has been started to raise the money to finish the film. They started following this guy about, about uh, very shortly after his journey started. Um, his journey, whether it be back to faith or into atheism or wherever it led him. And anyway, they have a they have an Indiegogo page and they're trying to raise the money. And I told him I would uh, reach out to the audience and anybody who's interested in supporting this. You know, it doesn't have to be a sizable contribution. But if you're interested and you want to get involved, definitely go to Indiegogo.com and search Year Without God. And uh, here's a short kind of a grab from their trailer to kind of give you a flavor for what they're doing. I've had people say to me in a variety of interview contexts, like, you were a pastor. 
how could you possibly be an atheist? And I said, precisely by being a pastor. Religion is like fire. It's dangerous. It could also be helpful, right? So, but it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's a dangerous thing. Like, I'd really like there to be a God. Right. I'd like there to be some indication that the thing that I put all of my life into up till a year ago, I'd like to think that that was about something. This has got to be insanely scary. How often do they explore the question of whether might I be wrong? Might I be wrong about this? I think this conversation needs to happen without putting like these all or nothings, like everybody's like this, and right. it just takes away from the conversation. Most people are in the middle. Most people don't know exactly what they believe. And he's done a lot of interviews over the course of the last year. He's the the gentleman that you heard toward the end there was uh, none other than Daniel Dennett. He sat down with uh, with Michael Shermer. Um, it's I mean he's 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 been with the Penn Gillette. It's been it's been a great journey for the guy. And I just wanted to get it out there that anybody who wants to support the project and I don't know the details relative to the the perks or whatever, but. Uh, Indiegogo.com and search Year Without God. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. And as seems to be our habit, we are starting Dollamocracy this time, this episode, talking about the, the ever hillbilly-esque Mike Huckabee. He's becoming um, akin to Donald Trump, where he's just a joke. And I don't know if it's because he's pandering to the audience that he wants to promote his book with, or if it's he's really just pulling, veering off to the right into no man's land, or where he would call it Bubbaville. Gods, guns, grits, and gravy. Right. He there's there's a a theme that runs through his book. Gods, God, guns, grits, and gravy. <laughs> God damn. That uh, <laughs> that uh, that New York and L.A. They're so out of touch. It's just a common theme. New York, L.A., and Washington, D.C. Right. Right. Of course, because you know that's a thrive. It's a crazy metropolitan area like like the two cities and it is god singular i'm oh, sorry i thought it was god's guns grits and well, gravy but he's I, not yeah there's only one god of, yeah sorry of, i forgot mike huckabee he doesn't recognize the the other twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. anyway um he it's, he's just pandering to to that audience and he he has a thing in the book about new york la and washington dc they don't understand bubbaville you know what I don't understand Bubbaville, and I'm from a very small town. I could be <laughs> considered by, I would say, most of my city-type friends a small-town guy. And I don't want to identify with Bubbaville. Have you ever met someone worth <laughs> a damn whose name was Bubba? Well, I, I think that Bubba from Forrest Gump is a great person. That's a fake person. He's not real. He's a good character. 
Bill Clinton's nickname was Bubba. <laughs> Uh-oh. So. Yikes. Well, it's also weird how he acts like there aren't people that are like those who live in New York, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., living in the other parts of the country. Right. No, there's all kinds of different people everywhere. So it's not just Hollywood, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., where all of the liberals live. Right. Well, there's also people like me who identify as conservative and who, who largely vote conservative who live in or live outside of goddamn Bubbaville. So... He, he's just he's cutting off his nose despite his face, but he's been on a gay marriage rampage. I think it's the death throes. It's his 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 final grasp. It's like when the body is taking its final breath. And this is he's losing his mind because gay marriage is rapidly becoming the law of the land. Gay marriage is rapidly becoming just generally and widely accepted by the American people. And he's losing it because it's antithetical to his philosophy based on his biblically principled viewpoint. So he was on CNN with Dana Bash and this little exchange took place. You do write very eloquently about it being a religious conviction to oppose, uh, to oppose gay marriage. But then you also talk about the biblical backings of being heterosexual. So given that, how do you kind of square that religious conviction with being open to having gay friends? Well, people can be my friends who have lifestyles that are not necessarily my lifestyles. I, I don't shut people out of my circle or out of my life because they have a different point of view. I'm going to stop it right there before we continue. Listen, Mike Huckabee, because I know you're listening. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, being gay is neither a point of view or a lifestyle it's just not that's not the case if, if you're born homosexual that's not a point of view that you have that's your genetics M mike huckabee has a point of view of being overweight and a propensity <laughs> to be a fat guy <laughs> well well <laughs> that's not necessarily a lifestyle choice of his it's not necessarily a, a point of view. He's just genetically predisposed to being a fat guy. Well, he talks about grits and gravy in his book title. So one could argue that it could be a lifestyle. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, what you're saying is right. And, and I'm, I'm sick of hearing this argument, frankly. It's 2015. Um, and I know that Mike Huckabee's 59 years old. So, you know, maybe his brain is less malleable and he can't accept new things and new right. ideas and change. But, um, you can. Everybody can. Let's stop this nonsense. And especially for the Republican Party that needs to win, right? They need yeah. to win the next presidential election, right? If, if another Democrat gets in there, all the Republicans are going to lose their mind because it's been <laughs> it's been two... Eight years it'll be. Right. And then, you know, here comes Hillary Clinton. You need someone to go up against that. Right. Okay? And Mike Huckabee with, with this is not because that's not appealing to a wide range of Republicans. Well, it's here's the other thing. If the Republican Party is going to continue and going to exist going forward, they're going to have to change their tune because largely young people don't look 
at being gay as a point of view or a lifestyle. Right. I don't drink alcohol, but gosh, a lot of my friends, maybe most of them do. Um, you know, I, I don't use profanity, but believe me, I've got a lot of friends who do. Uh, some people really like classical music and ballet and opera. It's not my cup of tea. I'd like to think that there's room in America for people who have different points of view without screaming, shouting, and wanting to shut their businesses down. What worries me in this uh, new environment we're in, it's not just that someone might disagree. They don't want to argue with me, even take a different point of view. They want to close someone's business down, put them really in an economic uh, position of disenfranchisement. I find that very, very disturbing. Governor, you talked about... So, if given the choice... Brittany, well, you know what? I won't ask you. I'll, I'll just speak my mind. If given the choice to go to someone who, who is accepting of, of homosexuals because they understand the genetic component and everything else, that it's not a lifestyle choice, that it's not a sexual preference, that it's not a point of view. If I have the choice to go to someone who's rational and reasonable and science-minded to bake the cake for whatever event... Or if I have the choice to go to a bigot who believes that it's sin and they're going to burn in hell and that the Bible is right about stoning homosexuals to death, uh, two men who lie together as they would lie with a, man, a woman because their blood is upon them and they should be killed, who do you think I'm going to go to? The rational person, the loving person, or the hateful bigot? I mean, you're not trying to shut someone's business down. You're just making a choice of where you funnel your your dollars. Well, not only that, you're not shutting the business down. You're you're telling these people, hey, you can't discriminate against people on the basis of their sexual orientation. Just like if a black person were to come in here, you couldn't say, yeah, I'm not going to make a wedding cake for your interracial marriage. That's not right. allowed. So the whole situation is you shouldn't be allowed to say you're a homosexual. I'm not baking a cake for you. That shouldn't be allowed. No one's right. saying that business needs to close because you're like that. It's saying, no, you need to change. Right. And if you want to close your business because you can't make a gay, a gay cake, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it's 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 completely ridiculous. And um, sooner or later, hopefully sooner, this type of thought process and line of thinking just disappears. About a gay marriage. So let's talk about that and how much... Your own party has changed, even since you ran in 2008. According to uh, Pew, in 2008, 19% of Republicans supported gay marriage. Uh, now it's all the way up to 30%. That's a pretty big jump in not a, a, lot, a lot of years. So you talk about the Big Ten in the Republican Party. Shouldn't there be room for those who want same-sex marriage to be the law of the land? Sure, there, there's room in, in the tent. I, I hope the party doesn't change its overall view. Uh, but, you know, the, the very fact that I talk about the relationships I have with friends who are gay uh, indicate that I'm not a person who shuts everybody out around me who disagrees. be honest with you, Dana, I find a lot more interesting conversations that I can have with people who don't agree with me. And I accept a lot of people as friends, maybe whose lifestyle I don't necessarily uh, adhere to, agree with, or practice. It doesn't mean that that I can't have a, a good relationship with, with anyone or lead them or govern them. But for me, as it was for President Obama in 2008, this is not just a political issue. It is a biblical issue. And as a biblical issue, unless you know, I get a new version of the scriptures, 
it's really not my place to say, okay, I'm just going to evolve. It's like asking somebody who's Jewish to start serving bacon-wrapped shrimp in their deli. We don't want to do that. I mean, we're not going to do that. Or asking a Muslim to, uh, you know, to serve up uh, something that is offensive to him or to, to have dogs in his backyard. Uh, we're so sensitive to make sure we don't offend certain religions, but then we act like Christians can't have the convictions that they've had for, for over 2,000 years. So the first thing I want to respond to is Dana Bash saying that 30% of Republicans now favor gay marriage. For young Republicans, this is age 18 to 29. Oh, yeah, what is it? It's actually 61%. Oh, wow. So for ages 18 to 29, it is 61%. And this was done in March of 2014. Right. And those 29-year-olds now in five years will be 35 years old. They're going to be the, 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 the wealth of the party. I mean, they're going to be the decision makers and the up-and-comers running for Congress. Right. And combining both parties of, of Republicans and Democrats, the total um, overall from 18 to 29 years old is 69% that support it. So it's overwhelming. I mean, he is the minority. And, and if right. he wants to win the Republican nomination, he needs to win over 18 to 19 year olds. I mean, right. that's what you need to do. Yeah. And this archaic line of thinking is not going to fly with them. This is probably the last election this one, maybe the next one, will be the last election where this will even be um, talked about as much as it is now. Because it's the tide is turning so rapidly and so tremendously that it's, it's, just, it's not going to be an issue. They might as well be dead because their voice will not be heard and have as much weight as it does. It's, 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 uh, it's a great thing. We're living in a wonderful time right now other than if you're a child who is not vaccinated and your parents are stupid and science deniers and are contributing to what is becoming an epidemic relative to the measles outbreak over a hundred cases right now and when the question was posed to two presidential potential presidential candidates rand paul um senator from kentucky and um chris christie Governor of New Jersey, um, they both hedged on the issue and pandered to their particular audience that they think is going to agree with them. Two potential Republican presidential candidates are facing criticism for their stance on vaccines amid the current measles outbreak that has spread throughout the country. Senator Rand Paul said in multiple interviews Monday he's not against vaccines, but thinks they should be optional. Paul, who's a former ophthalmologist, also linked some vaccine cases to mental disorders. I've heard of many tragic cases of walking, talking, normal children who wound up with profound mental disorders after vaccines. But I think the parents should have some input. The state doesn't okay. own your children. Meanwhile, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie told reporters parents need to have some measure of choice in things as well. So that's the balance that the government has to decide. Though, according to the Washington Post, Christie later clarified and said there is no question kids should be vaccinated. Not surprisingly, both prominent Republicans received plenty of backlash from the media for their remarks, as vaccination is a huge public health concern. This all comes just after President Obama voiced support for vaccinations in a Today Show interview with NBC's Savannah Guthrie. There is every reason 
to get vaccinated, there aren't reasons to not get vaccinated. Are you vaccinated. telling parents you should get your kids vaccinated? You should get your kids vaccinated. It's good for them. Despite the political debates, the vast majority of the scientific community says vaccines are crucial to fighting the current measles outbreak. In fact, a recent poll by PR Newswire says 92% of doctors believe the outbreak is directly attributable to parents who don't get their kids vaccinated. Currently, there's been more than 100 cases of the measles spotted in 14 different states. And health officials say the problem could get worse if vaccinations are neglected. When you vaccinate your child, you provide protection to your child, but also the vulnerable in the community who can't be vaccinated. Little babies, people with cancer, they rely on that protection. That's right. You know, we're going to see this outbreak continue to spread if people don't vaccinate. For Newsy, I'm Jay Struberg. So you hear, you hear Rand Paul there say that, well, I've heard of cases of, of uh, children not being the same mentally after they get the, the, the vaccine. Well, you know what? I've heard of people having their limbs grow back after amputation. That doesn't mean it happened. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's scientific. Don't be a jackass. Don't be Michelle Bachman, who said the same thing after a presidential debate and shortly had to bow out of the race, one, because she's stupid, and two, because it makes you not viable. Well, here's the weird thing is just because you heard something doesn't mean that it's something that should be repeated, one, or two, that it's factual. Even if someone is saying that something happened to them, that's what he described is... um not scientific right very rare if true and so it doesn't really even matter i mean that's kind of what it comes down to what he said was unimportant that's exactly because right. it's not representative of the population you could well, say it's also look you have a one in one million chance of something um going awry after getting a vaccine but you have a one in three thousand chance roughly of getting the measles if you're not vaccinated so do the math do the math which one, you know, which lottery are you going to play? If you want to win the lottery, are you going to play the one in one million lottery or are you going to play the one in 3000 lottery? Well, and here we are again with another situation where the Republicans are not being forward thinking. I mean, you need to win over the young people. And the way to do that is by not saying things that are against science. Well, listen, um, it's pandering. That's what it is. Even Chris Christie, by saying what he said, he's not demonstrating a consistent theme relative to governance. Well, for instance, what he did with the Ebola scare, the the wild Ebola scare that went on this last summer. Where he had the nurse kind of locked away, right? That's exactly right. Someone who ended up not having Ebola, but he, against her will... Uh, quarantined her and had this to say when questioned about it. Can you talk about the nurse uh, who's being quarantined in New Jersey right now? Sure. Well, I can't get any specifics about her condition. But what I can say is that New Jersey is going to take a very clear stance on this. We're one of the five gateway airports in the country where everyone who has spent time in West Africa is going to come through. And what we said, myself and Governor Cuomo, uh, yesterday, or two days ago now, was if you're a healthcare worker that's had direct contact with people who are ill with the Ebola virus in West Africa, but you're going to be quarantined for 21 days. We need to protect the public safety of the folks um, in the most densely populated area in the country, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, and I understand that this has made this woman uncomfortable, and I'm sorry that she's uncomfortable. But the fact is, I have the people in New Jersey as my first and foremost 
a responsibility to protect their public health. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So anyway, he's clearly pandering to the nutter-butter Christian right who have are conspiracy-minded relative to vaccines. Because when, and he's also pandering to his possible electorate, where here, that he didn't need to please this woman because she was a citizen of Maine. She was a resident of Maine. She wasn't a New Jersey voter. So it bothers me that he's taking... And he's not coming out as anti-vaccine. He's saying that parents should have the option and there should be balance. But there was no option here for this woman. Right. So the problem lies in whether or not... And it, look, it is a delicate issue. And I've thought about it a lot the last week or so. And I listen, I don't think that a, the, a parent's should have the right to not vaccinate their children because this is where it, this is the rub. Um, the Johnsons who live next door, they don't have the right to get me sick. We don't really have Johnsons living next door. Just so everyone knows. All right. The McGillicuddies who live next door, <laughs> they don't have a right to have their little sickening rugrats get me sick with their, with their pestilence. Oh, they don't have a right. I also have the right to be healthy. And if the government needs to step in and assure that uh, this doesn't happen, because it would be out of my control, them passing microscopic particles of pestilence in, to me. The, that's, that is a government role, to look out for the greater good of uh, the health of the society. So I do believe that the government should step in and say, yeah, you have to... To, to get your little shitty kids vaccinated. So Hillary Clinton also took an opportunity to weigh in here because, well, why not? She's <laughs> Right. She's also a potential presidential candidate. Right. It's funny that none of these people have announced, but they are all acting as though they've already announced because it's already a competition. Well, it's the media tripping over themselves to get to the next candidate to say, well, what do you think about this? Right. This is what they said. What do you think? What do you think? Right. You know, it's it's a... Uh, it's it's a race for right. the press at this point. Hillary Clinton tweeted. And, oh, yeah. And said, the science is clear. The earth is round. The sky is blue. And hashtag vaccines work. Let's protect all of our kids. Hashtag grandmothers know best. Uh, <laughs> while the message is good, the delivery Leaves a lot to be desired. Mm, Grandmothers you, know best. You just dislike Hillary Clinton. Oh, I, that's, I don't make any bones about the fact that I dislike Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. What's funny, though, is that she, I, I called this early on, she's really going to be playing up this grandma fucking bit for, for the entirety of the of the race. You did say that. And you did call that. Here we go. Grandmothers know best. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of a grandma, you think of someone sweet and lovable. It's an engineered campaign choice that they're doing. It's calculated. Mm -hmm. Right. Well. Because she's you go. a she's a cutthroat political operative, which is good. I mean, she's a strong candidate. Not woman, not man. She's a strong candidate. And this goes to show manipulating her role as a goddamn grandma. It's <laughs> it's classic. So another classic thing happened this week. Shepard Smith, my favorite and many of your not favorite from Fox News. News. 
Uh, He's also my favorite. <laughs> and anyone who does not like him is a dum-dum. A dum-dum, you mm-hmm. say. Wow, that's that's a, that's a bold claim. So uh, Shep Smith, as he often does, spoke his mind uh, and stepped out of his journalist shoes and into his regular American shoes um, to send a message to the anti-vaxxer Americans. Here at home, the White House and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention made a new pitch for Americans to please, please get your measles vaccinations as the outbreak spreads even further. Hello, science. A lot of you want to talk about science deniers. That's what you are, you measles no people. <laughs> you non-vaxxers, you're science deniers. That's it. Health officials say it started at Disney-themed parks in California back in December, and it's since grown to at least 100 cases. Those officials have declared the virus eliminated in the year 2000. Small minority of parents has refused vaccines for their children, citing all kinds of weirdness, including a possible link to autism, which science says does not exist. And according to the CDC, there is absolutely no link to autism, and anti-vaxxers are hurting all the other little children by not letting little Johnny and little Janie get their shots. Get your shots. Come on now. Ah, you gotta love Shep Smith. Love him. <laughs> so Just awesome. adore him. So anyway, listen, if it's because you hate Fox News that you hate Shep Smith, you need to reevaluate that because at least you've got one or two voices of reason coming out of there. And even though you don't listen to Fox News, there are tons of Christian nutter butters and anti-vaccination people and science deniers who watch Fox News. And if they can get a little bit of rationality, a little bit of reason peppered in with all the craziness, that is a good thing. Well, and Shepard Smith has also been talking for years about how Republicans are on the wrong side of history related to gay marriage. It's been years right. and that also, he's been saying that. Also climate science. Right. He, he he's a he's a rational guy. He just happens to work in the belly of the beast. Right. <laughs> So kind of related to this topic, Pew put together some data and put together an infographic about um, the gap between what the public thinks <laughs> and what science knows. That's I'm paraphrasing there, but um, it was very interesting. Um, some of the large gap, I mean, some of the gaps are very, very small relative to what the p- public believes and, and what science believes, but some of them were alarmingly large. Right. So the vaccines, we'll just start with that gap. Um, Childhood vaccines such as MMR should be required. 86% of scientists say yes. 86%. Right. And 68% of U.S. adults say yes. So both majority. Yeah. Um, There's an 18 point gap there. So it was relatively small. What were some of the larger ones? Is it safe to eat genetically modified food? Uh, what's uh, what's well? Let's start with what the the dumbass public thinks. Thirty-seven percent say that it is safe to eat genetically modified food. Less than forty percent. Yes. And science? Eighty-eight <laughs> percent. So, which is a a, a gap of fifty-one points. Fifty-one percent. That is uh, alarming, shocking. Yeah, and so I wonder, you know, for people who are hesitant to eat GMO foods and want them labeled or whatever, I wonder how this impacts them to see that 88% of scientists say it's safe to eat genetically modified food. I mean, is that going to 
change their mind? Are they going to say, oh, well, the majority of science says this, so... You you would hope so. But I don't think so. What um, is there a, a graphic there for um, climate science? Yes. So climate change is mostly due to human activity. 50% of U.S. adults say yes, while 87% of scientists say yes. So so what about um, a topic like, let's say, evolution? Is there is there a number there? Because right. that, that would be interesting. So humans have evolved over time. 98% of scientists say yes. <laughs> and 65% of U.S. adults say yes. 33-point uh, gap. While... I'm surprised that 65% of Americans say yes. Um, that's still an alarmingly low majority. It's right. That's crazy. When 98% of science, and there's always going to be an, uh, a plus or minus difference, uh, you know, margin of error. So the, uh, 98% is, for the most part, 100%. So one that's interesting to me is favor use of animals in research. Um. Only because I feel semi-passionate about this. Yeah. And 47% of U.S. adults favor use of animals in research. 47%? And, yes. Okay. And 89% of scientists do. So that's a 42-point gap. Wow. And it's just weird to me. I wonder if the percentage of people that don't favor the use of animals in research, what their line of thinking is related to how we should go about getting information. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I know sometimes animals are are put in unfortunate situations. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, like studies where they're they're paralyzed and then they try to figure out experimental drugs to bring them back, make sure they can walk or, or fit them with a device that enables them to walk. That is happening right now with rats. Bill Nye talked about that the other day in uh, Pasadena where they, they break the back of the rat and then he's completely immobilized and just he's there he's fucked and then they they're able to repair through cell therapy where he can walk again that's that's amazing and it's it's a beautiful thing that you know the, the, the although unwillingly these animals are sacrificing themselves for the greater good right and so i know i get why people kind of feel like it's a bummer even like you said the rat has his back broken and you're kind of like ooh that's really upsetting but if you think about it in terms of what that contribution is going to do for humans going forward, I mean, it's massive. If we could right. potentially help people who cannot walk. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's huge. Well, not, look, let's even talk about it this way. Um, people who get insulin shots, that's a derivative product from it's an animal product from dogs. So the, the, there's a executive vice president of PETA who's a diabetic and takes insulin shots all the time. That's an animal product she's taking into her body. So without that animal uh, derivative product and, and the animal research that went into that treatment, we wouldn't have a treatment for diabetes. And that woman who, who works for PETA would be dead. So right. these, these, if you're so hard-lined on the issue, it's, it's unreasonable. Now, I think there is a conversation to be had relative to doing it more humanely. I'm sure they're not grabbing the rat and snapping it in half with their hands. I'm sure they're putting it under, surgically breaking its back. It's not, you know, they're they're trying to do it as humanely as they can. Right. And well, all studies have to go through the IRB, the Institutional Review Board, which 
analyzes everything you're going to do sure. and either approves or denies your study. Yeah, the methodology and everything, right down to the every last letter, right? Right. And even just basic survey research has to do it. I've had to do it. I've had to give them my entire survey, all the questions I would be asking, my informed consent. I mean, they need to see everything because they need to see if you're working with humans or animals, what you're going to be doing. And if it's right. not ethical or there's an ethical question that's raised, they will say, you need to change this in order to get this approved. And, you know, they're relatively strict with the animal research stuff ethically. Yeah, so. it's awesome. So we, we got a little off track there. The, our, uh, the next up here is I want to talk about what states allow their parents to skip vaccinations based on religious versus philosophical grounds. So in every state except Mississippi and West Virginia, parents can legally choose not to vaccinate their children. Nationwide, 1.8% of parents choose to opt out of vaccinations. 1.8%. Right. And according to the CDC, local clusters of non-vaccinated children can be more vulnerable to disease outbreaks. We already know this. And at 7%, Oregon has the highest number of unvaccinated kid kindergartners for the 2013-2014 school year. Ugh. Oregon, 7% highest. Crazy. And the lowest you will see is Virginia and D.C. And they have a percentage of 0.4% unvaccinated kids. It's probably largely due to Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C., um, which is a very, very educated and also um, very wealthy. You have many, many counties right there around Washington, D.C. that are the wealthiest in the country. So Right. But that is not always... a uh, representative of, of what you would think it would be because here in California, in Santa Barbara, in Marin County, in San Francisco, it's the opposite where they're 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 wildly above the, the, the state average for not vaccinating their children, like we talked about last episode. I think it might be a difference in education level maybe and the the reason why they're rich like you know are they super educated in dc and northern virginia like you're saying and yeah. then in la well it's all the celebrities that yeah you know the jenny mccarthy's and the uh i've read too many books the chris kristen cavalieri's of the world right right it's also interesting that there's only two states that don't allow you to legally opt out i'm shocked that one of them is mississippi and west virginia yeah 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 right I mean, you know, that that not to generalize, but you know, those those states are filled with cousin fuckers. It's maybe it's just the All right. <laughs> you know, in California The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more mm -hmm, measured and reasonable mm -hmm. in her views and analysis. Yes. Thank you. So, um, additionally, I'd just like to add that California, in California, you can legally get with your first cousin. So, you li you literally can legally be a cousin fucker in California. As well, yes. And so, people don't think that that might be true of California, right? Oh, it's progressive. Well, apparently, it's a little too progressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, That's alarming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, to each their own, I guess, but just... Uh, Yikes. <laughs> right. All right. Next up, um, we I want to address something. Um, Brittany and I had a had an argument about this show the other day. I apparently when I'm left alone to my own devices, I do things that that piss Brittany off. 
<laughs> um, I took the audio from the Lori Birchfield testimony before the Idaho committee to add the words sexual orientation and gender identity to the list of protected classes. And I tweaked the audio and I put this on my SoundCloud profile. My name is Lori Birchfield. I have a deep love for pedophilia, sadism, necrophilia, bestiality, exhibitionism, polygamy, and many others. Thank you. She's kind of pervy if she likes all that stuff. Mm. So anyway, I put it up and Brittany was very unhappy. And I I think I made it very clear. I mean, clearly that's edited. I, I did it as a joke. I did it strictly to drive traffic to the other episode that we put out talking about her and the add the words campaign. But I did it to be funny. I didn't do it to fool someone into thinking she actually said that she loves has a deep love for necrophilia and bestiality. Yeah. So I want you to, you know, I'm giving you the opportunity to chastise me on the air. Well, I know I'm going to look like a uh, not fun, whiny bitch. (laughs) But I don't know. It just kind of bothered me because I I have an issue with, with a number of things that happen on social media. Um, one of them is people sharing memes or statuses or any kind of information that they don't fact check as if it were true. And then it influences other people who aren't news savvy or just anything savvy. And they read it, listen to it and take it as though it's factual. And I know that maybe that wouldn't have happened with this, I guess, because most people that would listen to it would have known about the situation but i don't know and then i'm also concerned with just taking people's words out of context i guess yeah and 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 doing something that would make them unhappy and then additionally something that bothers me on social media is when discussing these topics especially with people that you disagree with it tends to become very hostile and angry and attacking and it's hard not to go there when someone like Lori Birchfield says what she says, but you can't because you're not going to change her mind if you get hostile, angry, attacking. The way to change her mind is to try to logically work through it with her, speaking to her in a way that's going to make her listen. Yeah. And people only shut down when they feel attacked or like they're being bullied. And I don't think that's the way that you can change people's mind. And they're especially going to be like, "Well, well, look at this dick. Who's saying this or doing this? Why yeah. should I listen to someone like this? I, I get it. And it, I do think that to a degree it's antithetical to the the mantra on the show of moving the conversation forward. However, this I didn't when when I did it and I put it out there, I didn't do it to it wasn't a part of the conversation. It was just telling a joke. Right, right. And I have a crass sense of humor. I tell off color jokes. That is no. That's what I do. No. So this wasn't necessarily part of the conversation. It was maybe a vehicle to get someone to go and listen to the episode where we actually had the conversation on the show about their particular topic. Right. So I, I do listen. I get where you where you're coming from, and this exchange we're having right now is far less amped up. <laughs> Than the conversation we had a couple days ago, yesterday, in fact. And 
I've 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 backed off a little bit. I'm not going to take it down because yeah, I don't think it should be taken down. I don't think it should be taken down. Okay, it's just look. You're right. I I you know and like I said, I can't be left alone when you're when I'm when I'm tinkering around with 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 audio and I have audio editing a, a capability. You know, sometimes goofy shit's going to happen. And I know people, for the most part, are going to side with you, and that's fine. But I just have, I have these weird things about um, responsibly handling information. And so it reminded me of a situation that I encountered on Facebook where someone had shared a status from the Republican God page. And, and it was saying something about Republicans were feeling a certain way about something that was being reported in the media. And I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the specifics of it. I'm, I'm just, I can't remember what it was. I'm drawing a blank too. But um, I commented on this person's status, and I said, "This isn't factual." Well, you said no. You just asked which Republicans. Oh, right, because they were saying Republicans were mad about something, and it didn't make sense to me, and I hadn't heard it in the news. So I said, "Which Republicans?" And they came back and said, "I actually don't know. You know, this might be a case of manufactured outrage." And so I came back and I said, well, then why are you sharing it if you don't know? Right. Why are you sharing this about how Republicans are outraged about something if you don't know? And then he proceeded to say it was just a joke. It's just, uh, you know, it's uh, it's all in jest. And I said, apparently it's not in jest because originally you felt that it may have been just manufactured outrage. So you thought it was true at first, you know, but but I didn't attack this person. I was reasonably speaking to them from a logical point of view. And eventually they came around and said, you know what? Yeah, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have shared this, but, you know, now I hope people know it's a joke and blah, blah, blah. But the point is what bothered me about it is the number of people who were liking it and commenting on it and believed it was factual. And I know that those people should be responsible for themselves for finding their own factual information that's not the world we live in though yeah exactly yeah. and i i don't want to contribute to people being more stupid <laughs> I, I look i get it I, I i do i do get it but i'm just poking a little fun and i think it was clear that it was edited and and you know if yeah you know look I, you know you're the voice of reason oftentimes on the show and you pull me back from the abyss of uh of radicalism <laughs> and once again, it's what's happening. So let's uh, let's agree to let's let's fist bump. We can't reach the tables too long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, let's move on. Also, I don't I don't fist bump. Come on now. <laughs> Brittany's a fist bump king. Yeah, that's true. So this is kind of in concert. This is <laughs> completely um, luck of the draw. But uh, there's an article out there right now talking about how politics got so personal. And it's it kind of is aligned with this. Yeah, it's kind of a summary of some different studies. So there is a political scientist at Stanford and a postdoctoral researcher at Princeton. One is named Shanto Iyengar. I'm so sorry. It's these names sometimes are just difficult. And Why can't they just have like Smith? Or Brittany Page. Why or can't be named like the Johnsons that live next door. <laughs> right. Um, and then Sean Westwood. And they wrote a paper called Fear and Loathing Across Party Lines. And they say hostile feelings for the opposing party are ingrained or automatic in voters' minds. Partisans now discriminate against their adversaries to a degree that exceeds discrimination based on race. Wow. And they did that study that we've talked about in the past, the thermometer rating study, where they asked people to rank how they feel about the other party on a scale of of one to 100. 
and it's a temperature scale. So if you feel cold toward the other party, right. you say That's you negative. feel yeah, yeah, right. And then warm is obviously positive. And they found that in 2008, the Democrat and Republican ratings of the opposing party had dropped to just below 32 degrees. So wow. pretty cold. That's freezing. And in comparison, Protestants gave Catholics a 66 rating. Pretty warm. Yeah. Democrats gave big business a 51. And Republicans rated people on welfare at 50. And that that's still a livable temperature, 50 and 51. In fact, I would consider that ideal. <laughs> Right. And one of the most striking findings, of course, was the dramatic increase in the percentages of members of both parties who would be upset if their children married someone in the opposing party. And in 2010, they asked, and Democrats, 33% would be unhappy if someone they cared about married a Republican. Wow. So from 1960 to 2010, the percentage of Democrats and Republicans who said that members of their own party were more intelligent than those in the opposing party grew from 6% to 48%. Wow. So that's pretty crazy because you're saying, yes, Democrats or Republicans are just more intelligent than the, uh, the other party. Right, right. And that's a pretty bold, sweeping claim. I mean, you can pick out a few characters, Mike Huckabee, right. you know, uh, some some of these characters are not very intelligent. But to make the generalization that, well, yes, this party is smarter than the other party, that just seems like a weird thing to say. Well, clearly, it, it, both parties are filled with intelligent people, you know. Right. And so this is... All this, all this research is just going to show that this is deeply rooted in in-group, out-group bias. And we all view things through these lenses. We're more likely to be friendly and friend people who look like us and who look like they would be in our in-group. And we're more likely to reject people that look like they would be in our out-group. And we do the same with ideas. And this is why this is a problem. And it's creating the echo chamber that we always talk about, which is you surround yourself with people who think, behave, believe what you do. And that's a problem. And it's a problem not only in everyday life, but it's a problem on social media. And in fact, you talk about this on the Nerd Out Loud podcast that you were recently on, where if you are deleting people off your friends list because you disagree with them, right. you're creating an echo chamber. You're, 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 you're filtering your friends list to be exactly like you where you will not be challenged where you will not have to think about opposing ideas yeah and how could that possibly be positive i mean really i have no idea it's not something i'm it it just it's antithetical to how i run i i mean i talked about it on the show and you'll have to tune in to nerd out loud to to see exactly what i said about it but uh not a fan not a fan at all and so this article is really good. I'll post it on the, the Facebook page and the, the Twitter page. It's how did politics get so personal? And it's a good question. I mean, we should be able to exchange ideas and talk openly and freely about things. And even, that's, even about sensitive, important topics that are tough to talk about. Right. And in fact, when we went to the Michael Shermer and Bill Nye event, someone asked a question of how do I... Uh, get my religious family members to kind of see my side or come to my side. Right. Something like that. I don't remember the exact phrasing. And Michael Shermer just said with with kindness, compassion, 
reason, well, logic. What was interesting about that exchange when that person asked the question is many people behind us, because we were almost in the front row. We were in the third row up there. Um, men, I heard murmurings. Of, well, you don't. You don't. You don't. Right. And that's. That's that, unfortunate. Well, it's terrible. You Absolutely you do. You love. You're kind. You demonstrate that you can lead a good life not being a believer. You know, you in the in in Christian circles they there's the song this little light of mine i'm going to let it shine right and that light that's shining is the light of Christ in you supposedly mm-hmm. and you're you're showing the world the light that you have in that they'll want the light well i have a light in me and it's being a good goddamn person it's loving my fellow man and wanting to do good and leave the world a better place than i found it so that's how you do it. And it's the answer isn't, oh, you don't. You can't reach those Christians. That's that's not going to get the job done. And if you're more, if you're interested in the kind of differences between Republicans and Democrats and what causes these kinds of conflicts between the in-group and out-group issues, The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt goes deep into this with many different research studies. I mean, the the sourcing of that book is several pages long, just yeah. the number of papers and, and research that he references. So that's a great resource if you are interested in, in learning more about these issues. Sure. And if you want to buy that book, go to dollamore.com and up in the top right-hand corner, there's a link that says support the show. At that link, there is an Amazon search bar and you can just type in The Righteous Mind by, well, you don't have to do by Jonathan Haidt, but The Righteous Mind and boop, you buy it. A little bit of that sale goes to us. You don't pay any more for the book. If you're going to spend your money anyway, that is a great place to do it because every little bit goes a long way towards supporting your favorite twice weekly source of news news and ridiculous comments so up next a very funny story sorry to laugh so stupid into the mic but a very funny story about a texas boy who's been suspended due to well it's not really funny but terroristic threats a third grader right a fourth grader he's nine years old a nine-year-old boy is making terrible terroristic threats and got suspended. Yeah, it's very serious. So if you could not laugh, that would be great. (laughs) Uh, Kermit Elementary School (laughs) (laughs) took swift action after the now suspended student told a fellow classmate, are you ready? He could make him disappear. Whoa, what? Like like the mafia? He's going to disappear him? He's going to make him disappear? With the magical powers of his replica One Ring <laughs> from the Lord of the Rings series. Mm-hmm. Wow. Aiden Stewart is a fan of J.R.R. Tolkien's Magical Tales and had just seen the latest film in the Hobbit trilogy, The Battle of the Five Armies. I would never do such a thing. <laughs> they should suspend him just for that. <laughs> He was so inspired by the film that he bought a toy one ring to wear to school. He placed the ring over a classmate's head and said he could make him disappear. The administrators at the school took his threat seriously and had him suspended. Now, this is my favorite part because the boy's father wrote an email to New York Daily News calling the situation unbelievable. He writes, quote, I assure you my son lacks the magical powers necessary to threaten his friend's existence. If he did, I'm sure he'd bring him right back. 
and then he talked about, you know, it's this is what kids do. They they see a movie, they use their imagination. And he talked about how when he saw Superman as a kid, he went outside and tried to fly, you know? Yeah. And when I was a kid, I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not the TV show, the movie from the 80s. And I would go Chris, out. Christy Swanson. Exactly. And I would go out in my backyard and like jump off my deck and throw sticks of wood and act like I was throwing stakes into the hearts of vampires. Like, you know, this is what kids do. <laughs> so I'm uh, putting out a call for uh, there's a job opening for co-host of <laughs> I Doubt It with Dollamore. Please send your resumes to I uh, Doubt It at Dollamore.com. Anyway, I kicked some vampire ass. <laughs> I bet you did. So what's funny about this is when Brittany and I first talked about the story, I said, ah, you you got to guarantee those are a bunch of liberal weirdos. Like, oh, oh he's being threatening. Uh. And then she pointed out that. What'd you say to me? I said I thought it was a conservative situation. Well, because one, it's Texas. Right. I didn't didn't even put that together. And then they're afraid of magic. Right. Because they might just believe, like many Christians do, that like Harry Potter is witchcraft. It's right. real. Like black magic. Yeah. You're, you're leading your kid down the path of black necromancy. <laughs> right. And then also I read in the article that he's been in trouble before, once for commenting on the color of a classmate's skin, and another time for bringing his favorite book, The Big Book of Knowledge, to show his classmates. And apparently one of his teachers found a drawing of a pregnant woman in the book, and she thought that was objectionable. So that's also kind of a weird religious feeling thing. A little prudish. Yeah, I mean, well, it's I mean, a talk, pregnant woman. Relax. We'd have to know the details of him commenting on the skin color of a kid. He might just be comparing, you know, he's nine years old. Yeah. There's not a lot of intrinsically racist human beings that are <laughs> that don't have double digits in their age. You're not born racist. You might be, you know, manufactured that way. Right. But you're not, you don't come in that way. Right. So... It was interesting how we we both saw the story through our lenses, though, right? Because yeah, you tend sure. you tend to learn you tend to lean conservative, so you were like, "Ah, oh, those liberals," and I tend to lean liberal, so I was like, "Ah, oh, those conservatives." I, I would like to know, and we might there we may do a follow up and find out exactly what the situation was, but uh, <laughs> it was just interesting that we both had the opposite take. Well, and it's good because then we were able to kind of say. Well, all right, that might be us viewing this story through our bias, and it could be the other way around. Right, so. right. So we're going to finish with this. It's a heartwarming story, and it's a call to the audience to take action here. Um, a Washington state family plans their son's ninth birthday like it's his last birthday, and they hope strangers can help. His name is Bubby Everson, and he has cytomegalovirus, or CMV. Usually it's harmless, but in very rare cases, it can be devastating. And in Bubby's case, doctors say it will be fatal and that is it is only a matter of time. So for his ninth birthday, he wants cards. He loves mail. He loves getting mail. Right. He, the parents say that they hand him the junk mail and say, here, this is for you. And he just gets super jacked. And he also loves stickers in right. mail. So they say he, he loves to get stickers and he'll put them everywhere. They are are i don't think they know what they're asking for we're gonna go out tomorrow and buy a a card and stuff it with obnoxiously sticky stickers and these parents are going to be rue the day that they ask for this right but uh <laughs> i want to give the address right away and we'll put it in the show notes uh it's bubby everson like bobby but with a u everson is ever and s-o-n e-v-e-r-s-o-n 
P.O. Box 1142, Graham, Washington, 98338. Once again, Bubby Everson, Box 1142, Graham, Washington, 98338. And I know that we all have time. You can go buy a, a dollar card at Trader Joe's. If you've got any card laying around, go to Target, buy a a, a, a pack of stickers, and you know let's uh, let's do something that's going to make a kid feel good. Because, um, like they said, they're the family is planning this like it's his last birthday, and I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a parent and having a child who has to face that reality. That's uh, so let's make him feel terrible. special. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to take pictures of your card. You can put them on the Facebook page. Yeah, that would be awesome. And show us what you're what you're sending. I'm sure I'm gonna. We're gonna see if they have a Facebook page, um, and and we'll try to coordinate something. But th- let's do this. Let's do this for uh, for little Bubby Everson again. PO Box one one four two Graham Washington nine eight three three eight. And this is gonna be the first link that I post on the Facebook page. So if you're listening to this, the link should already be up. And you can go look at the address and read the article for yourself. And there's also a link to their fundraising website. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to leave it there. Um, As always, we appreciate you listening. We love our audience, our growing audience. Um, We know that you're taking time out of your week, twice a week, if you're a lovely, loyal, I doubt it with Dollamore listener. And we appreciate it more and more every day. You guys, you guys mean the world to us. Without you, this would not exist, or it would be just me listening to myself talk, and uh, nobody needs that. So, so go check out Nerd Out Loud podcast and listen to me run my stupid mouth. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. This is Ryan Bell, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Come to think of it. Does anyone listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore?